from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Smith corks one in the right down the line. It may go! Welcome to That's a Winner Podcast. I am Ryan Jenkins. Uh, you can always follow me at Jinx3086, and you can also follow the podcast at That's a Winner Pod on Twitter. Uh, joining me uh, back now is Josh Brown after COVID, Thanksgiving, and now, I don't know if you know this, You know, there's a lockout going on. Yep. You've been yep. gone a bit. So Back in the land yeah. of the living. <laughs> you know, I had COVID, went to Thanksgiving, and then got a nice four-day trip in Florida for my seventh anniversary with my wife, which came at the perfect time after COVID and all that. So, Because you need more time off? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, <laughs> Who doesn't? Well, while you were gone and while you were uh, on Thanksgiving and COVID, there there was a lockout. So there's not a lot that actually happened uh, in part of that time. Uh, but we will talk about... It was we, fun leading up to that lockout. It was. It was. You know, I don't know if there's a way that baseball can make that happen. I don't know how they uh, make it that exciting in right. in free agency yeah. December, you know, like how do you make it that exciting in December, and then you open it back up for a time before spring training? I don't know. I don't know if that's something they can replicate again or not. It'd but. be fun. It reminded me, you know, I've got a buddy that's a big NBA fan, and it's you know NBA free agency is the same way. As soon as it opens up, it's like it goes nuts. Right. It's like wow, this is new. It's kind yeah. Of, this is kind of fun. It was, and then it all stopped yep. and ended. Um, Last time I talked all by myself, and I we talked I talked about a, lots of different stuff, but let's kind of go back to where I started and get your take on it. And Stephen Matz, so that's what the Cardinals got. That's the only thing we've uh, done in the um, first part of the off season right. that we can actually talk to someone. Stephen Matz, um, I thought it's the right signing. I think it it fits what the Cardinals want. It's very Cardinals signing. Yes, it fits exactly what they want. Maybe not what all the fans wanted, but it fits in if you're looking for a, a two or a three type starter. Um, he's probably more like a three to four, but it fits what they want to do. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think um, they've got a formula in their mind that they're going for. It seems like, and and it seems like it's ground ball percentage, high ground ball percentage guys, sinker ball guys. Matts is a sinker ball heavy. Uh, first pitch guy and yeah I mean I think for it's not flashy right but I think for the deal for the four year 44 million first year's only eight two million signing bonus and then typical cardinal fashion you know the last year or two is is where there's a little bit more he gets paid 12 million uh, in 2024 and 2025 which is pretty typical for what they do in these contracts backlogging at the end so I think for the money it's not a bad deal um, you know, Matt's is a guy that, that seems like he's coming to his own the last couple of years in terms of finally staying healthy, you know, high draft pick by the Mets, which I guess we, we made Steve Cohen pretty salty and, and snagging him from the Mets cause they wanted him back. I guess he's a New York guy. So that was kind of fun to watch on he, Twitter. He grew up a Mets fan. He talked about it in the press conference. He grew up a Mets fan. Um, and he 
his family was a Mets fan. I guess he was pretty, um, I don't know, PG's not the right term, but he was he was really good about what he's had to say about the Cardinals. And, he said all the right things. Uh, yes, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. All the right things. And someone uh, baited him with the uh, 06 question of, you know, Carlos Beltran and all that. Yeah, and That was Hockman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he, they, <laughs> he didn't really give him much. He's like, you know, I, I was just a fan of baseball at that time. Yeah. So definitely he said everything the right way, definitely. But it was encouraging to hear him say, I mean, it sounds like the Cardinals pitch probably with a lot of these pitchers is, hey, we just won five gold glove awards, had a finalist to catch or two, you know, come come play for this defense. You know, Because the Blue Jays – Blue Jays defense is not was not quite top tier in terms of uh, you know for a ground high ground ball percentage guy sinker ball pitcher. You, you got a good uh, offense though, right? Oh, yeah. Run scoring, yeah, that's a difference. I, I guess that's two sides of pitching it, right? You can right. say, hey, we got the guys are going to make you better, or we're going to score a lot of runs and give you the opportunity to win. I assume you want to look like you've done better. I would assume right. when you're putting them side by side, or you just want to win. I don't know. Hopefully, we have both next year. Because we had both in the second half, the pitching was better and the offense was way better. The second half, they could, they could just put that together for the whole season. I feel like right? we've been saying that for every year. We yeah, say this for a few years. We're slow starters, yeah. for whatever reason. And Paul Goldschmidt, he go, we Very go. Slow starter. Yeah. <laughs> well, Stephen Matt's deal. I think, um, you know, I don't think that I don't know. Maybe disagree, but the fourth year seemed like the stretch part. It seemed like a little much. Yeah. Um, not really a hundred percent needed. But the value of the whole deal was was right. I think the first year is eight million dollars and two million dollars signing bonus. So he's only on the hook in twenty twenty two for ten million. Yeah, which leaves a lot more room, I would say, because of that signing to do more. You would hope the lockout came and kind of shut those thoughts down, at least for now. But yeah, like I said, I think the Cardinals' formula with this is really that they're going after high ground ball percentage guys. Stephen Matt's career forty seven point one percent ground ball percentage. Um, it was only 45.5 in 2021, so it was actually a little lower than his career percentage, but that was still good for six in the AL 21st, uh, ranked 21st in all of MLB at ground ball percentage. And I was looking too, Wainwright was actually uh, 18th in the MLB at 47.5 ground ball percentage. So it seems like the formula they're going with, as I dug into this more, is not only the high ground ball percentage, but the low walks per nine. Right. And we don't want to see any more walks with bases loaded, three, four, five walks a game for a starting pitcher. And he kind of fits the bill for that too. Career two, uh, 2.76 walks per nine. It was 2.57 walks per nine in 2021, which is, which is pretty good. I mean, you start getting under three, definitely under two, you're doing really well not to be walking people. So he seems to have really good control. Yeah. It seemed like that's what the Cardinals were looking for. Uh, were there any other guys in the, in the free agency that could throw those kind of pitches, that was kind of going to ground ball guys. I can think of um, pretty big oh, one. Oh yeah, this came uh, off the board. Yeah, Marcus Stroman. Uh, oh, we'll talk about him later. Let's <laughs> we'll get into that later. But there's other guys too, right? That had pretty good high high ground ball rates that we could have looked at too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Gray is one of those names that that came off in free agency pretty recently with the Rangers, who out of nowhere just spent a crap ton of money <laughs> in like three days, right? Snagging Seeger and Marcus Simeon and John Gray. But yeah, John Gray was 14th in the MLB in ground ball percentage. But the flip side of that formula, he had 3.50 walks per nine. So maybe that's why the Cardinals passed on him. What kind of money did he get? What did it break down? Oh, I want to say he got like a 55 something million deal, right? 
55 for five, right? Or something like that. So. Well, my, my point to that is value. John Gray was the first one that I thought of initially. Uh, someone, right. the person I heard of, the guy that I knew the name, that was the initial fit. Probably it was even at the trade deadline when we talked about that was John Gray was a, a good possibility for the Cardinals. Yeah. Well, you knew he'd be available because the Rockies right. just let him go like they're doing story. But uh, he got four years, 56 million with the Rangers. So what's that, AAV? $14 million a year. Fourteen. So, you know, it costs three more on average per year than than Matt's. Is he worth that difference? I don't think so. Not yeah. not with the walk not with the walk rate. I mean, Matt's has got a pretty significantly lower walk rate. And like I said, I think that's the formula they're going after. I and mean, that's what it seems like. You know, it's not just a high ground ball percentage guy. It's a high ground ball percentage guy that also is not walking a lot of people. Yeah. And after last year, I'd be perfectly fine to never see a bases loaded walk ever again yes. in my entire life. Yes. After breaking the, like the 1930 record, whatever it was. Uh, and you know, for a, for a time at the second half, I thought, ah, we're not going to get there. Thank goodness. And then we walked guys with the bases loaded yep. in the worst possible times. Man, the good old, Oh, I, you know, that last season, I like to just forget it, to be honest. There was, you know, 17 game win streak was the undoing yeah. of probably this off season or this, you know, what, could have come because I think they got complacent. The ownership, the Mosaic, he got complacent of like, all right, we don't have to do much. We just need to do a little tweaking now because they right. saw the second half. Right. I think the same thing happened in 2019 whenever they made the run in the NLCS and then we got two hits and in two games. Yeah. And I was at both of those games and it was terrible. <laughs> it was, it was awful, but yeah, I mean, you think back to June and July I mean, it was probably the least excited or involved I was to watch Cardinals games. I mean, June felt like well, we won nine or ten games in June. It felt like every every I think game it was even less June. than that. I think yeah, it, it I mean, was like seven. Every every single game in June, even when we were leading, it felt like we were going to find a way to blow it. I mean, it was obviously you're a fan. You're always a fan. You're always rooting for the team, but it, it made it hard. <laughs> I think it was the lowest point of my fandom of oh yeah, like of when. I'm trying to think, you know, I, I, my first game I attended was like in 97. So I'm trying to think of, you know, that the nineties were it was rough. The worst, it was the worst month in franchise yeah. history. But it, yeah, I'm just thinking in general though, you know, when I've been upset with the team, been angry right. at the team, like, Oh God, you know, doing this, doing that. I think that was just the worst time I, I've ever been a fan. And, and Danny Mack, you know, a great, I love listening to his show on one one ESPN. Yeah, it's it's great. it uh, less BK, more Danny Mack, my opinion, but, um, <laughs> He's just great, and he talked about how it was the it was the worst month he's ever covered being with the Cardinals, and he's been there twenty some odd years. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could hear it in the calls. Yeah, and he's and, and that's why we love Danny Mac because he's such a fan too. He loves baseball, but you could hear it in the calls. It was just like, and it happened again. <laughs> and I'm not shocked, right? That's what what it was, and and because of that, I think that we have a more subdued off season to bring it all back. But I think that's yeah. I think if we didn't even I could say we if the Cardinals didn't make the playoffs at all. You know, even though it was a one wild card, if they finish third in the division, what are the, what are the Cardinals doing differently in that time frame before the lockout? Right. Is there a little bit more urgency? I, I would and hope. Th- and this is where we get called spool fans, right? You've got, you got Marlins, Orioles fans, whoever else is like, you had a 17 game winning streak franchise record. You got to go look like we're not saying we're not thankful for that. That was a blast to watch. I mean, you know, Bar none for me, except for some of the you know playoff games I've been to. I mean, it was a blast, and it doesn't take away from that. But you do wonder if that hadn't happened, 
a historic run like that, would there be a little bit more urgency this offseason? So I'm crossing my fingers and hoping they've got a plan to do something else when we come back. We'll see what that is. But, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I was hoping by now they would have done at least at least one or two more moves before the lockout, you know. I mean, we've been tied to Joe Kelly, or at least talking to him like, you know, somebody like that to, to bolster the bullpen, but they're just, it just stopped. It just seemed like they sat back and they're just kind of seeing, all right, well, what's going to happen? Well, to go back on your other point. So if nothing happened, right, if they didn't make the playoffs, and people said this was never going to happen, but does does Arnado say anything about, hey, you need to go do this? Or I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna push you on the opting out. I have two opt outs. Right. I'm gonna push you on this if you don't go and make some moves, because he don't forget he went in as Mozeliak would tell you he went in after that 17 game win streak. He said and they clinched the playoffs. Yeah. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm 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 doing it again next year. Yeah. Yeah. You wonder. I mean, I mean, I would think his clearly he's got the fire and competitiveness to win. I mean, I guarantee you. I mean, because you could see if you go back and watch, which who wants to go back and watch the Chris Taylor walk-off home run? Oh, but the first person I see in the frame when they pan back is Nolan just head down walking. So I can I guarantee you, especially it being his his home state, right, in L.A. and, you know, at the Dodgers Stadium, that that left a really bad taste in his mouth. So I'm hoping he's still in their ear about it either way. I mean, you know, you know my theories on Trevor's story and how close they are. I hope he's there. Like, yeah, this guy would be a perfect fit. You know, he would come and step right in. So I, I hope he still do, does that. I mean, a guy like Goldschmidt's not going to be doing that. Right. He's like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to show up every day. And you know, by the end of the year, I'll be batting three, 300 and you know, 30 home runs or whatever else. He, he's not going to be the guy to do that, but I would think Nolan would be, I would hope Yachty would be in his last you know season. I, I would, I would think he has Mo's ear at least a little bit, the ownership's ear at least a little bit. You would think, um, because the guys with the biggest contracts supposedly are obviously are having more impact. And we'll switch gears a little bit and talk about Scherzer, who yeah. is got the largest contract in per year yeah, in history. AAV yeah, at forty three plus million. It's reported that he likes Buck Showalter. So talking about making decisions because of who you are in the organization. Does does Cohen and the Mets listen to Scherzer on Showalter? I mean, do they? Do they just are they being nice by listening, or are they actually gonna? I would imagine so. I mean, what I read was that Cohen liked him too. I mean, he's trying to give the GM, you know, his leash to do his his interviews and and um, you know put his work in and who he thinks should should be. But but yeah, I mean, the guy's making forty three point three million a year. You're gonna listen to him. I mean, and, and all talks, you know, all the reports show that that the, the you know the Zoom calls and things that Scherzer had with Cohen. I mean, the guy like really convinced him like I'm all in. To win, like whatever it takes, and he even said, like, who who doesn't want to play for an owner like that? You know, I don't. And he he said that I've never played for an owner like that, and so, yeah, I mean, when you're paying a guy that much, you're gonna listen to his opinion, I think for sure. So it would not surprise me at all in the next week or two. Well, well, actually, with the lockout, I don't even know. You're can, allowed. Can they, yes, you are still yes. allowed to managers, hire managers. Okay. You're allowed managers. You're allowed that conversation. So, okay, just on that same topic, is Showalter? Any good now? I mean, look, what did Schultz ever so do? Long, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, when I think back to him, I think to him with the Orioles. That's right? all I think about that's too. All, that's all you think when they had Adam Jones and some of those guys were they were they Machado, did, Machado. They made Chris the playoffs Davis, same time. Well, the year or two that he actually, yeah, yeah. You know, it was a got fun big, team. Yeah, they, they was, were actually good. It and, was a good team, um, and they had good pitching, and you know, just kind of they kind of remind me of the Twins. You know, they just couldn't really make it out of that first round wild card sometimes, you know, but 
I mean, I've always, I've always heard Buck Showalter players wise is a great, you know, players coach, like the players love him now. Yeah. I mean, he's been out a little while. I don't know. You know, I don't know how, how good he'll be. I think I'm starting to see honestly that the manager role doesn't seem like it's quite as big of a deal as we make it out to be. And, and some of the teams I look at and I say that with is like Larusa coming back this year. Right. It's like, Oh, he's been out of the game so long. How's he going to do it? You know, are the players going to live. The White Sox were great this year. Now they were in a bad division, but they had a great season. You know, I mean, the playoffs didn't go how they wanted it to, but you know, he, he, he I mean, is it, is it more so the manager? Is it more so the players on the field? I mean, obviously some of it goes hand in hand, but we've talked about this too with, with Marmol. Like, like if the Cardinals have a bad season this year, you know, don't make it to the playoffs, don't make the push we expect them to. I'm not going to be blaming Ollie Marmol. Right. You know, I mean, it's, you're going to look at the players or who got injured or this or that, or the moves that Mosaic did or didn't make. That's what we're going to be looking at. I mean, Mosaic is the one who should be on the hot seat now. Right. So with, um, with Showalter, and by the way, Adam Jones is a good follow on Twitter. We should try and get him on the show. He's he's fun. Um, he's over there in, in the Japanese league. He right is, now, yes. Yeah. Um, but I don't even remember where I was going. But I just got off topic with with thinking about Adam Jones. But it, you know, the Scherzer. You know, and by the way, we were never going to remotely get him at, at this oh, yeah. contract. Oh yeah, they would <laughs> I, never even think. Of, no, yeah. I never thought it was a. I thought it was a pipe dream. I thought possibly for a trade for the end of the season was more likely right. than actually any any chance of signing him. Because right. even before the end of the season, they were talking 40, he was expecting 40 to 50 million. You know, he got under what he thought he was going to get. This is a guy who had dead arm a, a month yeah. ago, not even over a month ago. Yeah, he blamed the Dodgers. Did you see that? He did. Uh, report? Well, I saw that he, yeah, he said that, that, um, they actually didn't let him pitch as long yeah. as he's used to pitching. And that's why he was so successful in the Nationals because they looked at him as a workhorse. Like, well, that seems kind of backwards yeah. to have dead How arm. How does that but, dead arm work there? Yeah, but, I mean, hey, that's, you know, the routine that he's used to. I mean, maybe, you know, he knows better than we do, his well, body and his arm. Right. So back on the Showalter thing for a second. So the players coach or players manager is what pe- people have called him before. But And you talked about Tony LaRusso and his success. I think – what people don't like to admit as players, as individuals, is you the the coach and manager that you get, usually you're not supposed to be friends with them. You're usually you don't like your manager, but you respect them, right? right. It's usually how that kind of go. Like I That's think the category Larusa falls in for sure. Yeah. I think about my you know, favorite coaches, I don't know, my best time learning a sport when I was playing growing up in high school, playing sports in high school, and I didn't like them. But I respected him. I learned a lot yeah. at this time versus for the, from this coach, that sort of thing. And and I think if I'm Max Scherzer making forty three million dollars a year, I'm probably not going to be chiming in so much, even though who I want to play for. But I want to win, so I don't really care who you get. I want to like him, yeah, but I want to win. So I don't want to get in the way of maybe messing that up. If you think you got someone that that might be a better fit, just because I like the guy. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, and I mean, again, at the end of the day. Like Scherzer should probably care, or at least I would care a little less about the manager search and more about all right, what else are you going to do? Who else right. are we getting? Who else? Right? Yeah. Where are you spending because, money now? Well, I, I'm sure for the Mets it's going to be pitching. Yeah. I mean, they they still want some more pitching, um, which is what they need at this point. They've signed some pretty good offensive pieces and Scherzer now. So, yeah, I mean, I would think he'd be pushing, you know. But it sounds like Cohen doesn't need much pushing in that regard. <laughs> He's like. Seems I think like, the Cardinals did the pushing. I think get signing uh, Max, yeah. and that was like, yeah. oh, all right, I'll Pissed show him you. Off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. But we did have a slew kind of of quick 
pitcher signings that happened right up to the lockout. You know, you mentioned John Gray with the Rangers, who also snagged out of nowhere, it seemed like, Corey Seager. And Marcus Simeon. And Marcus Simeon. And we talked about that, and I laughed off the idea last time we talked about it of either Corey Seager or Carlos Correa or Trevor Story going to the Texas Rangers. But I did say if it happened for one of them, it was going to be because they got an outrageous amount of money. And that's exactly what Corey Seager got. It's like, okay, $325 million. I would go play for a, a bad team. <laughs> well, yeah, he was World Series MVP, right? Yep. He was. He had an amazing year last year, 2020, uh, 2020 season. And, you know, he, he deserved to get paid. But does he never want to be World Series MVP again? I mean, the Rangers are one of few teams that have never won. Yeah. I, I've got a buddy here from Texas, big Rangers fan. And we texted that day. I was like, how pumped are you? He's like, man, I'm pumped. Like He's like, I'm super excited, but we still need pitching. <laughs> yeah. I, he was like, I said, well, what do you think this does for a team? He's like, maybe five more wins. Right. <laughs> it's like, that's sad to think about, but but it's probably true. Like right now, like, I mean, I've got them like maybe 80, maybe 80 if they have like a good season right now. It's right. like they need more pitching. And I think they need a lot. They just oh, need yeah. Yeah, yeah. starting pitching. They need a bullpen. They need, yep. they need more guys to be able to hit. I mean, yeah. it, there's a lot that's needed. I mean, their middle infield is solid and ready to go. What's up? And they're spending. They've already spent over six hundred million in this offseason. Nuts, yeah. Um, but they're not contending yet. They're not going to no. contend for multiple years still. Even even the Astros losing, you know, Carlos Correa, which maybe who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a chance. I mean, he's still out there. But even if they lost him, there's they're still I think leagues you right know, ahead of the Rangers still. But but hey, good for them. You know, I mean, they feel like they're at a point now where they're coming out to rebuild stuff and they want to spend money like. Good for them. We saw the Tigers do the same thing with Javier Baez for some reason. I, you know, I, I, you would think the Tigers seeing what you know the Rangers did with Seager. I'm kind of surprised they didn't just go full tilt after Carlos Correa. If you're if you're going to spend a bunch of money at that point, you know, the, that was a little bit of a, a head scratcher for me. Not on Javier Baez's end. I'm sure he was thrilled right. to be you know offered whatever it was 23, 24 million a year for the next six. I think it's six years. I didn't think he would get near that much. No. And speaking of guys that are overpaid, Marcus Stroman. Yes. Now, we it, have a little different bearing opinions on this. Yes. Well, Marcus Stroman, the the talks, uh, the Twitter was ablaze the night that he. Oh yeah, that especially he was Cardinals. Signed. Yeah, Cardinals Twitter. And you know, in those days leading up to it, it was really really hot on him doing a lot of tweeting and talking a lot in general, po- pointing out the Cardinals, pointing out the Cubs. You know, he, he talked specifically about the Cardinals and how great Cardinals the fans, fans yeah. Yeah, were, were all, you know, all in the mentions. I think he was doing his part to raise his value and, and go back and forth. He signed three years. I think it's $75 million is its is its cap, is its max, three years, yeah. $25 million a year. $71 million deal, deal with the escalators. Yeah. yeah. Can get, I mean, get it up to about $25 million a deal year, which is, like you said, it's like the Verlander contract, two yeah. years, 50 that he got. I mean, that, that's a lot. $25 million a year is a lot of money. But for me, I think what made what would have made me consider it more if I were the Cardinals is the fact that it was only three years. And opt out after two, which he's probably not going to opt out, you know, that third right. game, 25, unless he has just a great, you know, year. And then in which case he's, he'll go back to free agency. At 32. Yeah, which isn't yeah. too bad to go back in the free no, agency. No, I mean, he's still in prime at that point. Very smart deal for him. I, mean, I don't know who his agent is, but his agent worked out. I feel like a really smart deal for him. But it did frustrate me a little bit because I'm like, it, 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 you know, we talked about the formula the Cardinals are going for, right? It seems like the high ground ball percentage, the high walks – Per nine, or you know, the low walks per nine guys who aren't walking a bunch of people. Marcus Stroman 
100% fit the bill on that. The guy had a 50.8 ground ball percentage this season. That was 10th in all of Major League Baseball. And he had a 2.21 walks per nine, which was up there too in the top 15 or 20. So he was a guy that, even more so than Matt's, fit the bill in terms of ground ball percentage and um, walks per nine. But obviously, you're talking about more than double AAV a year. So that's I think that's where the Cardinals fell. They just didn't want to spend that much. Right. So I spoke on here, and I spoke, uh, and I tweeted about it, that I thought the Cardinals would be in on Stroman at 15 to 18 million. And I believe if he fell into that range, that he they would be all over him. And I think that he made the most sense for the Cardinals. I think... Even with the Mats deal, they were still willing to sign Strowman right. at the right amount of money. And if we could have gotten him too, I think a lot of Cardinals fans would, would be feeling really good right now. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think they'd be fine not knowing what's happening at shortstop if you had uh, him in there with Mats as two oh, yeah. new starters. But the other thing I talked about and I was if the Cubs would sign him, how infuriating that would be. But one, you know, I saw it and I was pissed. I'll be honest. I saw it and I was like, are you kidding me? It yeah. makes no sense for the Cubs. No. It, it does nothing for them. They're not competing next year. They're not competing the year after. It makes zero sense to sign that big of a contract, that big of an overpay. It, it's, it's, they're in Rangers territory yeah. in terms of like the impact it's actually going to make. And, a, and I've seen them linked to Carlos Correa too, that they're, they, you talk, they talk to his agent some. It's like, if they go and do that, I mean, it's going to be like a Tigers or Rangers sign. It's like, hey, yeah, good signing. I mean, I, no one's going to argue that Marcus Stroman or Carlos Correa is a good signing and Cubs, your higher market team, they've got the money. The ownership's got the money. But how much more wins is it really going to add for you? I mean, I would put, even if they got Carlos Correa today, I would still put them at third in the division. The only reason I'd put them at third in the division is because for some reason the Reds are deciding to get worse and worse. Well, yeah. So what I saw on Stroman, he's worth about four more wins a year for the Cubs, you know, based on data, you know, all the analytical parts. War and all that. Yeah. Four more wins for next year. It makes no sense for the Cubs because they're talking about being in a rebuild and they've, and they, and everyone knows that and they, because they sold off everything, but he's not going to be there for the rebuild. It doesn't make any sense at all. But I was upset about it until I saw the money. I was just said, I yeah. think I told you via text, show me the money. Tell me what the money is. Tell me yep. tell me what it ends up being. Then then I'll give you my real reaction. And the overpay is like you said, great on him. Good job. Makes sense for him. Take that money. Yep. But it makes no sense for the Cubs. None. They're not competitive. They're not going to be competitive and he's not even going to be around whenever they are thinking about being back in into competition with everyone else. Right. Well, and, and I think some of it is telling. Like the two years with the opt-out, you know, three-year short deal. So it's like, think about that second season. Let's say he has a, a, a really good first year there, and his second season he had, he's like on fire and has a great second season. What do you think the Cubs are going to do? They're going to be trying to trade him. Right. I, I, I no trade guess. clause. He has, yeah. Yeah, he has no, no, that's no big, protection. That's a big piece of this, and I guarantee you they wanted that. So if – he did have a really good season. If they're still, what they they will be, they should be still struggling. They don't have a Chris Brown or somebody else coming up to to save them. You know, start you know coming into the next era of the Cubs. Yeah, I mean they're going to be looking to trade him, and I the team see, will want him. I could see the Cubs trading him at this year's yeah. trade deadline if he has an unbelievable first half. Which you don't think the Dodgers would try and go out and get him right at the trade deadline if right. he's having a great year and the Cubs but are still stinking? Historically, guys that sign big contracts don't. Right. They don't. Uh, not the first year. Not the first year. They just don't. It just historically the numbers aren't there. But let's say he does. Yeah. 
I think in the and the Cubs make no more signings. Yes, they're shopping him immediately because guess what? He has no say. But he doesn't really care probably too much because one, he's getting paid. And two, then he can get sent to a contender. Exactly. So he got it's the money. It's a win-win for him. Yeah. It, it, and, and after, you know, coming off the emotional side of, ah, oh, why the Cubs? You know, like, we were t- talking you up. Like, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense for him. I'm not mad at him, you know. I, he blocked I, me on Twitter already. I saw that. Yeah, Very so, random. I'm, all, I'm blocked by Wilson Contreras, <laughs> I learned last week. I have no idea why. But... I may have said mean things at times to people on Twitter, but what I said to him... Sorry we hurt your feelings. Yeah, but bef- what I said to him was before he signed, it was just rumored that he was being looked at by the Cubs. I tweeted, why would you... Would, would you rather play for a team that's going to contend next year or a team that could lose 100 games? And then yeah. and then he signed, and I come back and look, and I'm blocked. Yeah. So, okay, the answer is the money and not contending. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, was, it was really interesting, and... But you know, hey, it, it, you know, works out for him. That's what he's looking for. And there's still, uh, there's still quite a bit of free agent pitchers still left out there. Honestly, if you want to talk still about some of the free agent pitching that's left, hopefully when we come back for the lockout, I mean, you still guys, you still got guys like Carlos Rodon, Clayton Kershaw. I don't, uh, you know, Corey Seager. I don't know if you saw. I watched his press conference where he got his jersey. I, I didn't see. It. He was actually there. Uh, I don't know if I don't know why he was in Texas, but it was one of the few that wasn't Zoom. He like got there, got his jersey. Because but, it was three hundred twenty-five million, probably. Probably, That's probably why he showed they up. They probably want him there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can you come for this, please? Yeah. But they did. You know, their social media team did a little interview with him afterward and asked him, like, "Hey, you know, are you going to try to recruit some more people?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I've already talked to my buddy Kershaw." I was like, "I think Kershaw is he from? Yes. He might be from Texas yes, too." He so is, yeah. Hey, maybe the Rangers go for it and go after him too. But you still got some some guys out there. Obviously, Rodon Kershaw probably going to man, you know, command a little bit more money. Uh, a guy I talked to you will about. Kershaw, will Kershaw demand more money? I mean, I I could see him getting a, a Justin Verlander type deal. Really, that much? 20, oh yeah. Well, Verlander got it. He's been out for the last year and a half. He's coming off of Tommy John. Now I know Kershaw's had some of the injuries, the back stuff, but you can't refute when the guy's on the field pitching, he's still very very good. And there'll be a team that's willing to overpay for that. Well, I was gonna say. Whenever he's not pitching the Cardinals or pitching in the playoffs, yes, he's been awesome, spectacular. But like you just said, there's going to be teams to overpay it. When we talked about it, all of this, you know, all right, here are the X amount of of shortstops that make sense that are going to be on the move. What teams make sense? Well, why would you go to the Rangers? Why would you go to Detroit? Why would you, you know, why would you go to these non-competing the teams? And then the, the money talks. Money always talks. Yeah. yeah, I was wrong about that. So it is going to be interesting. We talked about this, uh, Seager and Simeon both landing with the Rangers. You know, kind of wish that hadn't yeah, happened. Yeah, that I crushes. I wish they'd been spread out a little bit more. That crushes some possibilities. Yeah. for the Cardinals, I think. Well, yeah, because there's only like who really needs a shortstop is only there's not many left. There's not really like needs. Well, and I'm looking at the list right here. It's Correa, Story. And then after that, it's like a cliff fall off to Jose Iglesias and Freddie Galvis. And right, but Pete P- Cosma's still out there. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> but you know, but what teams need one? Not really. There's right. like it's kind of like the Cardinals. I think there's a lot of teams this offseason that are kind of like the Cardinals. Like we have one. Uh, we would like to continue to do that and take him. Like Mo would say, like we're going to continue on this path. This is we want him to come back. I think the Yankees have a shortstop that they that they will play, like. I think everyone's there that already in place, but if there's an upgrade for the right value, then that's when you're talking about. Like even the Red Sox have been linked to Story, Story or yeah, yeah but if they the have Red a shortstop. Sox, if the Red Sox and Yankees start getting linked to him, I mean we're toast. How many times have the Red Sox outbid us 
for David Price or whoever else. You know, like we, we never, right. we never win the never, bidding wars. We're not going ever. to. And if the Red Sox really decide, yeah, we need a shortstop, which I don't really get because they've got Bogarts, but I know Xander can kind of play all over the field and he's not like super great, you know, defensively at shortstop. He's fine. But it's like, really? Is that another guy that you guys, you have to go out and get? Because it is looking like at this point, if we're going to get story, it's going to have to be a shorter, not super high AV, or, or maybe, you know, two, two year 40 or, you know, something, something like that. I think that they would do. I don't think that they would go much higher than 20 million a year. Well, let's talk about um, kind of in that same realm. Schwarber has reportedly said he's asking for a three-year deal worth about $60 million. If we are not going to go after Trevor Story, and I told you this when you, you brought this up to me the other day, the Cardinals, as soon as that lockout is up, should be on the phone making that deal. I, I like Kyle Schwarber and for that. I mean, if you bring him on, he's instantly our best hitter against right-handed pitching. Instantly. You look at his OPS, you look at his slugging against right-handed pitching, and it's insane. You know, well over 900, well over 500. I think I think he eclipsed 600 slugging percentage against righties this year, which which it was he's coming off a career year. It was his best season, um, but doesn't hurt you against lefties. He's not he's not Jock Peterson against lefties. His splits aren't that bad, but he is absolutely obliterates right-handed pitching. And you talk about a leadoff option. The guy, the guy gets on base pretty well. I mean, he, he doesn't he, want to be a leadoff guy. He doesn't want to be a but, leadoff guy, but he could be if you wanted him to. If you wanted that kind of unique, you know, Curtis Granderson type of power leadoff hitter, he could be that. But I mean, surefire DH, and I, I would not mind twenty million a year for three years at all. I mean, I would not mind that at all. What do you think? I'm not a Schwarber fan. Haven't been. Uh, you know, Indiana IU guy. He is an IU guy. He went to Indiana University. <laughs> My wife will tell you all about it. She was there at the same time. Yes, he is an IU guy. But I think uh, leading up to 2019, he's the most overrated player in baseball. Up to his good year in 2019 and his good year last year. Now, last year, I think he was absolutely amazing. Yeah, with the Nationals and with uh, he was great with the Red, Red Sox. Sox. I think he was great in those two, with those two teams. He had injuries a little bit here and there, missed some time, but cannot play first base. No, he, you know, <laughs> and he can't play the outfield and he can't catch. That was his original position was catcher. Yeah. That's what he played at IU. But I, I just think he was the most overrated career two twenty five hitter from those first years to twenty nineteen. Over that time. But what if he's a guy who's figured it out? What if he is a, I mean, he's not quite to this level, but what if he's a Justin Turner type? What if he's a little bit more of a late bloomer in terms of like figuring it out at the plate? Because that's how Justin Turner, that's who Justin Turner was. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. If you're willing to go 20 million a year, why aren't you signing Je- uh, Trevor Story? I'm right there with you. Right. The value's better. It's, it's years. It's years. <laughs> well, and three br- years. Yeah. But he brings more. Now, I think, I think, most people would say, well, he's not left-handed. That's the biggest difference, right? I mean, it, I think it's pretty common knowledge. We, we need a left-handed bat, right. at least a bench or No matter somebody. what. Yeah, we need a left-handed bat. And, you know, Trevor Story doesn't fit that, but Trevor Story also steals 20, 25, 30 bases a year. He also plays almost a gold-glove level defense at shortstop. I mean, there's a lot that he still brings, you know. Yeah, so that's where I am with it. Like, if you're willing to spend 20 for three, why aren't we looking harder on Trevor Story? Because I think it fills the everyday gap more. You still don't know technically if there's going to be uh, a DH, but I saw it's gonna, it's yeah, coming. I read I mean, that Gould. Everybody is like convinced, and yeah. I, I mean, I would hope you're if right. They did it during the COVID season, and everyone seemed to love it. Even the pitchers that weren't 
hitting anymore. Wainwright didn't like it. Well, Wainwright didn't like because it it's because <laughs> it's Wainwright. Look, I'm I. I'm a purist, a baseball purist, and I'd rather not see it. But I, it's coming. It, it's come to the point where I'm where I'm at the point where I know it's coming. I will I can't go do to it. the grave arguing you on the DH, and it's mainly because of twenty. What was it, fourteen or fifteen? Watching Adam Wainwright pop up in the infield, a pop out, and tear his Achilles as soon as he yeah. turned to hit the ball and go out of the but box. But that's the like, dude that likes to hit. Yeah, but it drives me nuts, and it's crazy to me that he loves to hit after that. I'm like that that derailed your career for or your your career for like three three years after that. I mean, it was three years before he got back to like. I just like what the strategy of a game based the base. That's what baseball is. It's not. Yeah, it's not. I get it. The strategy is, is is Tony Larusa making double switches. You know, that's the what we've seen for years with the Cardinals. I mean, that's the beauty of non DH. Now, Adam Wainwright was the one who kind of uh, talked about. The once you pull your starting pitcher out, then you lose your DH, which I wasn't. I was a fan of that. I liked that. That would add some strategy. Yes. that would be interesting. And slowly puts brings the DH in. But I, I don't s- think the owners will go for that though. No, because you think about the money some of these DHs get, and you're talking about well having to pull them out if, if right. it's fifth, sixth inning. Well, yeah, I I read that the that that was already offered to the players' union was adding the DH. That was already part of the negotiations. They're willing to raise the floor to. The uh, sorry the um the luxury tax like two hundred and right. twenty million 20 yeah, yeah twenty million like they they already gave a lot of concessions and the DH was already thrown out there like here look we'll give you the DH um so that was already you know kind of a part of it so the DH is going to be there we need a left handed bat again we the Cardinals need a left handed bat there's still a few out there I mean I I'm not against Jock Peterson you're older than Schwerer again the splits are a little bit more dramatic. Uh, Eddie Rosario was a guy I liked last year that, um, you know, was before on the, everyone else liked him. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, because he's always had some, some pretty good power, right? He always consistently 25, 30 home runs every year, even when he was with the Indians and he was I, always good on MLB the show yeah. for me. Like he was always that guy. I mean, or no, he was with the twins, I think yeah. for a while. Then he signed that one year deal oh. with Cleveland and they traded him to the, to the Braves. And yeah, what, what World Series MVP, right? Right, I think so. So I think now everyone else is on board with that yeah. as well. Well, that's a tough thing with a guy like him. Yeah, after that, he wants exposure to get exposure in the national spotlight. Somebody's yeah. probably going to overpay him too. Overpay, and guess who doesn't do that? St. Louis Cardinals. Never, We're never going to overpay. Yeah, so I don't know to tie the bow on the Schwarber deal. I, I just. Is he worth $20 million a year? I mean, I think that he took a, you know, whenever the Cubs just let him walk, and then he signed a 10-year, $10 million deal, I thought that was kind of cheap. And I thought the, yeah. the, it was shocking that the Cubs didn't offer him $10 million for one year. And then... Um, I think for just three years, he would be worth the $20 million a year. I would not go much further than that. If you're talking four- or five-year deal, I don't think he's worth more than 15 Yeah, I thought his market was 15 That made yeah. sense. Now, if the Cardinals were in on it for fifteen and three, you know, each year, uh, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a, again. If they're not going to go after Trevor Story, you need to take this money that you, we've already seen. You know, Gould and others report like twenty million ish, right? Is yeah, what about? And, they, and they're willing to to raise, you know, the, the well, salary a little bit, the payroll. Well, they're at one sixty, which I love, by the way. If you if you go back and look at uh, Derek Gould and BK. Derek Gould breaks down the the payroll from 2019, 2020, 2021, and the projected payroll of 2022. And schools BK on exactly how he doesn't know how to do math, but <laughs> and says everything about yes, it's it's a, it's a great feat even just to just to catch up and understand what 
Derek Gould is looking at and understanding way more than the average person does. Like he's awesome at his job, which is obviously what he's supposed to be doing is know the Cardinals payroll, but he breaks it down and he said there should be about 20 ish million dollars left after arbitration deals, after the Matt signing, after the deferred money for Nolan Arenado, after all that, there's still about $20 million left to get back to the 2019 payroll level, which they said they're willing to go back to. Yeah. I really think that the arbitration stuff might be what the Cardinals are sitting on because the new CBA could could change up how much more a guy yes, like a could. guy like Tyler O'Neill is going to get. You know, he's going to get a lot more. Um, Harrison Bader probably do after this season for a decent a decent raise, and you know, guys and, like that. I mean, they're they're about to get, and, and depending on how the CBA goes and what they bargain, I mean, those guys could get quite a get quite a bit more in arbitration and it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of what they're waiting on to well, see how the I also saw things. that they also gave the players union saying all right it's going to be based on your age now not your right. years of service so it helps a lot of those guys that are fighting through the years and years and years and then it's you know arbitration's based on that w- what could that do to Nolan Gorman if they change all those other rules as well like not only not only the years the age but any of the CBA stuff that goes to his terms of years of service, does that quickly put him into the driver's seat of he's got to play this year? Yeah. Are they looking at that too, right? Like we got to start, the clock is starting already. We're going to yeah. put him in. Yeah. And again, if, if that's, if that's the route they're going to go, we've talked about this. He's either going to play second base or DH. I right. Mean, that's about, that's about it. Aside from a spot start, maybe once third, in a blue moon right. at third when they want Arnado to DH, but yeah, that could be what they're waiting on. And, and that makes sense to me. Okay, you know, if that's what you're waiting on, you don't want to sign Trevor Story right now because you're thinking it might be Gorman's time. Yeah, but, I mean, I've said this. I would be fine with them bringing Gorman up, giving him his shot at DH or second base, move Tommy to shortstop. Tommy's got the ability to play shortstop. He logged more innings in the minors at shortstop than any position. But it's kind of hard to move a guy from second who just won a gold glove. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts there, I know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think if, if you're, if you're not going to go give that money to Trevor story, you need to go give it to somebody. Right. If it's more pitching, great. Like go get another pitcher out there. If you want to throw the, the 20, 22, 23 million a year to Carlos Rodon and you want to, you want to go get another higher, you know, higher, a little bit higher tier pitcher. Not going to happen. I they're, mean, I don't think it's going to happen. They're not going to spend it, but that's a tough thing. Once Stroman came off the board. There's not a lot of those higher tier pitchers that are left. And There's that's bargain what the, bin guys. That's the cardinal way, right? And so, so I yeah. think if, I think they're gonna. I think they are still willing. As we sit today, whenever this opens back up, they're still willing to spend fifteen to eighteen million on one more guy. It, whether that is a shortstop, whether that is a pitcher, DH, DH, you know, whatever that is, I think they're still willing to spend that fifteen ish million a year. And I think if Schwarber was at fifteen for three. They're all in on it. Yeah, I think you know if if uh, stores will, stories willing to do fifteen for five even, I think the Cardinals are still in that range that they're willing to spend fifteen to eighteen million. Once they go over that, I think that's when the Cardinals go at. Ah, we'll see what the market does, and we'd rather sign some bullpen guys, or we'd rather sign you know someone to to bat lefty off the bench, those kind of guys. But I think Lars Newbar is going to fill that spot too. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, depending on what they do with the money, now let's let's say you know, I've brought up a guy like Zach Grinky. 
I don't love the guy. He's kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> very per- weird. His personality is very different. And and he had the Cardinals on his no trade a few years ago right. you know, from his days with the Brewers. I, I don't think he likes us. But, again, a guy pretty decent, top 20 in the ground ball percentage this year, top five or six in you know walks per nine, still has great control, hardly ever walks people, threw 170-something innings this year, still kind of like Wayne Wright, a little bit of a workhorse. What if they went and signed a guy like him for – maybe two years, one or two years, whatever it is, and then go get Joe Kelly. And that's the off season. Are you going to be happy with that? No, not <laughs> necessarily. I I think the most obvious move is a shortstop. Yeah. I mean. Or a DH at least. Yes. Well, you know. But even I, DH, I mean, even again. Juan Yepes is. Had, Juan Yepes and Lars Newtbar, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, I wouldn't mind giving it a try and see what they can do. Right. So that's how I feel is the, here's the massive hole. Here's the obvious is the shortstop. I had my first uh, hater on Twitter. He told me it was the worst <laughs> hot take ever, ever he ever heard. I'm excited to have my first hater. But, you know, saying how bad Paul DeYoung was, I think the time that Paul DeYoung has played for the St. Louis Cardinals should be over. Yeah. I think it's time it to move on. Like he hit his peak in that first year or two. But maybe he just needs a different place, different scenery. Maybe. Let him let him have it. You know, let him let him see if he can get it back together and and us going, oh crap! Mo shouldn't have traded him, and he's playing so well. Yeah. Hopefully, he can get to that and let that happen. I don't fully buy what Mo said. With uh, him, yeah. By the way, I, mean, I, I don't either. He was saying similar stuff with you know Matt Carpenter. As of today, Matt Carpenter's our third baseman. And a week and, later, no one yeah. are not. So Mo's a salesman, right? But but I will say to Paul DeYoung's defense, to a degree, you know, he he did have an injured year last year. I mean, he had a lot going on. I can't remember what the big injury was early on with him. If it was his. Rib cage or something like that. I was like, thinking ribs as well, but something like that. But yeah, it shot his power. But you know, he just he reminds me actually Tyler O'Neill reminded me a lot of of him early on. Both very streaky guys. Right. They, they would have a week where it seemed like they would hit home home run or two every game and then just go cold for two or three weeks. And O'Neill figured out this year how to be more consistent. Right when he wasn't hitting home runs, he was still hitting singles. He was still hitting doubles. He was stealing running, bases, running, fast. running incredibly well. <laughs> Paul DeYoung doesn't have that. Right, it's not in his game, and so he's not a five tool player. That no. that O'Neill is seemingly turning into. And he's very he's very solid defensively yes. at shortstop. You look at the metrics. He was top three in twenty twenty in Gold yeah. Gloves, or was that twenty nineteen? Something he, like that. He was top three in the defensive metrics. Yeah. Like him, it's just the consistency hasn't been there, and it's not right. like it's just been, you know, a year or you know. 500 plate appearances like it was with Tyler O'Neill. It's like, this is like, you've had four full seasons now. Right. And you peaked in the first two, really, right. is what it seems like. And I like the guy. I like Paul DeYoung a lot. I like the way he carries himself. I like, you know, he, he seems like a cool dude. And, you know, maybe he just, maybe he'll do a little bit better somewhere else. Or who knows? You know, it w- again, it would not surprise me with the Cardinals if they do just stick with him and Sosa. Oh, gosh. And I fully expect it. Yeah. I've, it would not shock me. I don't have my hopes up. But you better have a plan B if they both, if they're if it's a dumpster fire and they're both bad. Because the plan B, in my mind, is Edmund a shortstop and Nolan Gorman a second base. That's your only backup right now. Right. But you just don't know the jump that Nolan Gorman's going to make right. either. So my thought is the obvious is there. There's the hole. It needs to be filled with someone that's on the market right now with his Correa and and story. You already have the seemingly fill for Yepes and Lars Newtbar for your DH, and you have Tommy and you have Gorman to be able to share some time and do whatever you need to. And Newtbar, I think, would be a solid fourth outfielder too. Yes, so that's another thing for me. If you want to go get a DH, I don't. What think, position is he going to play? Yeah, I don't, well, I don't think they necessarily no. have to, but but you know, if you're going to go sign a Nelson Cruz for one year and. 15, 16, 17 million, like he's going to be the DH every day. Right. 
<laughs> He's got to be, you know. Yeah. So where, you know, if that's the way you're going to go, if that's what your spots, you know, Yep has could be the DH. The only hole, truly, if you're going to give those guys shortstop. the option, is the shortstop. So we have one of the greatest classes of shortstop free agency of all time. And well, we did. Now yeah, it's just now it's just two dudes. <laughs> now it's two dudes that are left that, you know, that you want to talk about. Angelton Simmons. <laughs> right. And I don't want those guys. I'd rather see Tommy move over to shortstop than to bring in Pete Cosma yeah. to bring in these guys that are on the Angelton Simmons or, guys that they're not hitting. Right. I, I would rather because I that's where that's where I am with it. So like fill the spot with with Troy uh with Trevor Story. It makes the most sense. Uh, but I think he's got to fall to that fifteen to eighteen million dollars a year, and I think the Cardinals will sign him for multiple years, not just At the one, AAV, two, or yeah. three. But if that AAV's there, I think they're willing to do it for a longer term as well. Uh, but he may not want that for a longer term. He may only be in it for three years, and which is fine too. You hit the market again, yeah, a little bit earlier. I could see him doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes it makes too much sense for the for the Cardinals to to not get in, into it. Well, the other big piece of news. That came out just today, actually, was Jordan Walker being on the cover of Baseball America. How about that? I loved the the headline. Oh, yeah. So air, creative. Air Jordan. Like, air to the throne. Yeah. Air Jordan. Yeah, it's uh, a great headline. It is. And I, you know, we get so enamored with what John Mosaloc tells us that we just believe it. And then yeah. this guy, this guy, oh, man, this guy. Remember is gonna, him talking to Dylan Carlson oh, up a year or two Yeah, ago? this guy. He is that man. But whenever you speak in the same breath... And you say, this guy hits like Albert Pujols and Oscar Tavares. People are going to start listening and expect ginormous things. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, it's the expectations. The expectations. I feel bad for him that he's been mentioned in those breaths, the same breath as, as those two dudes. I mean, Oscar Tavares, the years that he played, the year that he played in the majors was like the most exciting. I was so ready for him to be there full time oh, yeah. to be the outfielder. The, Gi- the Giants playoff game, he came off the bench, hit the big home run. Yeah. It was so, I mean, it was just. I was there. It, it was oh. so much fun watching. Oh my gosh! In the rain and the the videos that came out after of him to music and everything of him just smoking that ball, like that was like the height of of his you know career. And it was like, oh, his future is so bright. And and then you know, obviously, tragically lost him. So, yeah. like, if you're mentioning him, and then obviously Albert Pujols, we know his whole story. You're setting this kid up for failure, really, yeah. <laughs> right? And then you put Air Jordan on the on the cover of the magazine. Yeah. I mean, he, everything I've read and heard about him, Danny Max talked about him a little bit on his podcast. Some, I mean, he hit, he exceeded expectations this year by far. I mean, the, he's only he, 19 years old, and he made it up to Double A this year. He made it up. He started high at, a? started at High A, okay. and he actually made it up to Single A at Palm at Palm okay. Beach. But I mean, man, you're talking 14 home runs, 48 RBI. 14 stolen bases, only caught stealing twice, which I didn't even know he had the speed. The guy's 6'5", right. 220. Um, maybe he's just a smart base stealer, kind of like Pujols. But, right. yeah, that, that's only 82 games. So the 55 games at Peoria at high A, he hit 292, 344 OBP, 487 slugging. Pretty good. Uh, what and, they, posi- and what position does he play? Plays third base. Right. But I have heard um, he has been getting time in the outfield. And they feel that he could be pretty comfortable out there, a corner spot, maybe first base as I, well. I mean, he's tall. Like I was going to say, I haven't, I didn't read the magazine. I didn't read any of the the breakdown of the I'm story. I'm a subscriber, so yeah. I, I couldn't get the full the full <laughs> article. Now, what's his? Do we know his ETA to the majors? I mean, you know, approximation. I believe Baseball America had him at 2023. 
Really? That met sooner That's than I would have guessed. That's pretty early. I mean, you're talking about a kid who does not, he doesn't turn 20 until May 22nd. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, if 2023 is the ETA, are we talking, to me, you're talking, okay, maybe a September call-up kind of ETA. You know what I mean? Getting a little bit of time that September. But if you're talking about somebody that's going to come up and play, I mean, 2023, where, where is he going to play? You know, is it, is it, is it going to be a, I don't know what corner outfield spot if Dylan Carlson turns out to be the only thing I could think of, you know, when you see air, right? Like air to the throne, the next air, right? It's not going to be third base anytime soon. If, if Nolan Arenado staying, the only open gap there might be come 2024, 2025 when Paul Goldschmidt, I believe his contract's up 2024, right? Yeah. His, the last year of his contract is 2024, making 22 million with bay, with a signing bonus of four, so right. 26 on the books for 26 million through 2024. So you're still talking two, three, four, three more, three more years that Paul Goldschmidt is the first baseman unless he has some terrible injury. Right, and I was thinking maybe Walker was maybe a 2024, 2025 guy full time for sure. It's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be any sooner than that unless there's injuries. Well, let's let's say Paul Goldschmidt's not there just for argument's sake, or, you know, let's say this, there's a spot for Jordan Walker, wherever, you know, when, do, when does he realistically make the jump? I would, if you wouldn't have told me 2023, 20, I would have guessed 2025. 20, I mean, probably. Yeah. Well, that's the first opening. It seems like for him to come in somewhere. Right. I mean, you even think about Carlson getting his shot in the COVID year. The only reason that happened early on was because, uh, the Fowler Fowler had injuries. Right. We needed a right shoulder, yeah. and then Bader had. And he another, was terrible at that. So. And then Bader had another injury, and then Tyler O'Neill, you know, had his up and down yeah. season again. Was pretty. He didn't even play in the playoffs, which is crazy to think about now that he didn't play in the playoffs against. He didn't get it. He didn't get one at bat in the playoffs against the Padres in 2020. Tyler O'Neill, isn't that crazy to think about? Well, yeah, wasn't he benched for um, Austin, Austin Dean? Dean, yeah, Austin was, Dean. <laughs> How crazy is that? So, yeah, you know these these these. Um, Times where they're thinking, you know, that they're going to be up. I mean, it, it, I, it, I feel like it's a guessing game for the most part because, again, yeah, he's a guy. He didn't have a spot right now, you know. It's, a, I mean, we've still got Nolan Gorman, and he doesn't really have a spot right now. They moved him to second to hope maybe he'll have a spot soon, but Tommy Edmonds a gold glover there well, now. But you think that and you say that. They're good problems to have. It is good problems, but how many of these dudes turn out to be nothing? Exactly. That, usually, that happens a lot more than these big guys turn out to be all-stars or or, you know, franchise players. Right. You know, when we saw Pujols come in up in 01, he was immediately a difference maker. Oh, immediately. Yeah. And that they weren't very good in those in the early 2000s, like that early 2000s. two, three. Yeah. Was not, yeah. But they, but you could see Pujols was that dude already. Instantly superstarred him. In- right. Instantly. That doesn't happen. No, that never often. happens. That doesn't happen often. I mean, it, it, it didn't even, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, it didn't happen with Mike Trout in his first year. He was. I mean, struggled a lot his first two, three, you know, months first year that he came up. Uh, same thing with Bryce Harper. He didn't, you know, light it on fire out the gate. You know, those are guys but that they, still took time. But they also had, I think, Bryce Harper for one, but had a lot more um, stardom behind their name coming up. Oh, Albert yeah. Pujols didn't have that. No, he had he was a Nobody Juco knew guy. who he was. Yeah, yeah. He, no one knew who this guy was, and all of a sudden, no pressure. boom, he's that dude. Yeah, Harper was expected to be that guy. Which for me is why I know Harper gets a bad rap. He's... He's overrated. I love Bryce. I love Bryce Harper. I love the way he plays the game. I love, you know, I, I, I think he, I think he's underrated, quite honestly, especially looking at all those articles with him. You know, the LeBron James of baseball was what Baseball America was saying about right. him. It's like, 
I think he's done a, a pretty good job overall. I mean, he hadn't gotten to the World Series yeah, I was yet. Say, he's not a winner. He hadn't been there in the playoffs yet, but in terms of like the numbers he's putting Give up, me a contract, winner. Yeah. Give me a Same with uh, Trout. He can't stay healthy and he can't win. I mean, Trout's been to the playoffs one time in his 10 years crazy. in the league. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. I, I think that's less his fault. And more sure, of, it's his, less his fault, but he's more of the terrible. They just can't get good pitching. So, is it the GM's fault, or is it you don't make the guys around you even better? I mean, like that goes kind of part of it. Like Nolan Arenado hasn't been to the playoffs very many times, but he has more playoff games under his belt than right. Mike Trout. Baseball's so tough with me in terms, well, you know, making everybody else better because it's such a you know it's you and the pitcher yeah. at the plate so it's it's not I like I can only do so much yeah it's not it's not like the nba superstar can't take right. over the game it's not it's and it's never like that i mean there's moments you know there's those high leverage high leverage moments but it just doesn't go like that but yeah but Jordan, you got to think of how just mark mcguire by himself just hitting bombs it yeah. changed the landscape of the st louis cardinals oh, yeah. and they were bad and then they were much improved. How about that? Just because of one guy, Barry Bonds. You know those teams. I didn't think were that good that they made their World Series run to get to the World Series, but they did that much better because of how much he, how many home runs he hit, how many, right. how many times he got on base, walks, and all that. His WAR was astronomical. So, like, you know, I'm, you know, I, I get it to some point, but you make everyone better around you because of a leader that you are. Right. You know, the work ethic that you show that these guys want to mimic the, you know, the, the watching video and all that stuff. Like uh, Tyler O'Neill talked about that this year that he never watched video until like this year. He really learned from Nolan Arenado. Yeah, no and, one does that a ton. Yeah. Like that's the difference I think of talking about elevating the, the people around you. Qualities, yeah. yeah. And that, that's for me, like you talk about that for a second. I, that's why I love who we have at the corners with, with Goldschmidt and Arenado. Two great leaders. Nobody will say anything bad about them, but kind of two drastically different in the way that they lead. Right? Nolan's more outspoken. He's you know fired up. You can tell he wants to win all the time. Goldie's a little bit more even kill, but shows up every day. But I will say this year, I feel like I noticed like Goldie Goldschmidt was way more animated. I saw some smiles. He was way more <laughs> animated this season than I've seen. You could see like like Nolan got that out of him. He wants know? to win. Yeah. You know he's thirty. He's 30, older than, 32 now, 33? I think he's 34 he's this year. Yeah. I think he'll be 34 if he's not already, that he will be in 2022. Um, you know, he played for a really bad Arizona team. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, and now he's with the Cardinals, and he hasn't seen he's his— He's 34. Yeah, nailed he turned, it. He turned 34 this past September. Yeah. So, you know, he's ready to win, and we have him for— what we say, three more three years, three more seasons, three more seasons. He's ready to win, and he uh, hopefully he's one of those guys that's pushing on Mo and the ownership, yeah. saying, "I'm I'm getting up there, and I'm I'm ready to win some." I've missed games. I've missed six games total <laughs> in the three seasons I've oh, been here. I forgot about that. You told me that, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> six. That's unbelievable. And those, it probably all of those six was Schilt making him, him a take day a day off. off. Yeah, <laughs> like for any star player, any. You know, guy making twenty six million dollars a year to miss six games in how many years? Three years? Is that how many years he's three, been? Three seasons. Three yeah. seasons with the Cardinals. COVID shortened season one, but still, right? Yeah, he played miss, every game in the COVID season. He didn't miss one game. Like that's that's unbelievable. And Nolan plays a lot, and yeah. Tom, Tommy plays a lot. Doesn't yep. miss games. Yep. I mean, those three dudes in your infield. Yachty as catcher plays unbelievable amount of of innings. Yeah, that stuff matters. Yeah, it really does. And I think that's important for other guys to see that. 
And so when you're talking about Bryce Harper, that's where we came all into this. I don't know that Bryce doesn't do all those things, but all I know is that he hasn't won or doesn't, as soon as he leaves the Nationals, they win a World Series. Right. So like, is there something else there that's... Did you think he deserved the MVP this year? You know, I have a hard time with the MVP in general because... I, I'm I'm just glad Tatis didn't win it because that would have been crazy to he, me if they gave it to him. Well, I, I think... I don't know. I, I think that you're supposed to be a, a playoff team to be in the World Series. But you I mean to be the MVP. But you had the three dudes that were like top three, none of them made the playoff. Nope. And on the other side, on the AL side was the same way. Yep. So, you know, if you went down the line who should have been the MVP if you look at it that way, you're talking about Nolan Arenado, Goldie, you're talking about Austin Riley, um, I'm trying to think of the guys that actually made the playoffs that actually had right. really good seasons. It almost seems like there should be two awards, like two di- like most valuable player for the entire of the season, led his team to the playoffs, right. whatever it is. That's to me what an MVP is and most outstanding player, most outstanding right. or best player. Because it, in my mind, there's no doubt for me at least that Otani was the most outstanding player in right. the majors this season. Absolutely. You can't, you can't really refute that. Right. And it's not his fault that the Angels didn't get – I mean, he did literally he could, everything he did that as much he, as could. he could. Yeah, but I I mean, I personally had no problem with Bryce Harper, mainly because just looking at his story this year and, and, and remembering getting Hit drilled the in the yeah. face by Genesis Cabrera, 97-mile-per-hour pitch, the class act he was texting right. him the next day, like – and I read articles. I mean, he he and he talked about in his speech that I mean, there was like a good two or three weeks there where he he probably had a little bit of the John Carlos Stanton. You know, just it took a little while to get that confidence back in the. I mean, it, it would take anybody right a little while to get that confidence back when you get drilled in the It'd face. Be scared like, to be scared to yeah, step in the batter's stay box. In there. But yeah. he he kept it together, and you know, it was just that last series of the season with them against the Braves. He. I mean, it seemed like a lot of their offense didn't show up, but right. he had a rough he had a rough series when it mattered most. And that's what I like is guys that earn the clutch. I mean, we yeah. talked about, you know, um, Matt Holiday was the anti-clutch guy for the St. Louis Cardinals. He had great numbers throughout the season, but when it came down to the actual point of big games, he left Game 6 of the World Series when we did that. He didn't even play Game 7 of the World Series. Alan Craig caught the last yeah, out. Right, left in, field. right in front of me while I was sitting in that yep. left field. So, like, like that's, you know, is Bryce Harper that guy? Like, he puts up all these numbers and is not going to win? I don't know, but I, I don't know anything about him personally. You know, I don't know. Right. only thing I know is what I can read and, and see from him, and seems like a good dude. Uh, just about, you know, is he a winner? And that's what I want for the Cardinals. Yeah. Is someone that's just winners that want to win, that are going to do everything it takes to win and be leaders to everybody around them, too. Right. Well, all this started with us talking about Jordan Walker. Yes. Right? And it kind of came full circle with some of these superstars. Heir to the throne. But for me, I mean, yeah, I, obviously, as a Cardinals fan, I want to see that next big superstar who, who who of us as Cardinals fans doesn't want to see that next big superstar come through the system. I feel we like had, we've been waiting, waiting for it for a while. I mean, we had hopes that it was going to be Tavares and, and you know, right. I, I, I don't know if I told you, I saw the guy play a lot in Memphis. I actually got to, to meet him a couple of times and cover him when I covered some stuff in Memphis back in my local hometown newspaper, but just such an animated fun doing the club. I didn't know a lick of English, right? But it was just so fun in, in the clubhouse. But yeah, I think a lot of us thought that was him. What, what year was that? That would have been 20, what, 12, 13, Yeah, that's what I'm 14. trying to, 13, maybe, yeah. was the, maybe, was that, uh, was that that year? I don't remember, to be honest, but. Well, that's when, I'm, I'm talking about when I saw him in yeah. Memphis. So that season that he came up, 
and had some impact against the Giants, I believe was 2014, right? Yeah, he, he died in October 26 yep. of 2014. Yeah, so that was, he had come up that postseason, right. some of that September call up. Yeah, I had seen him in 2012 some before. But um, even but think yeah. about that, right? So that's seven years ago, and we're oh, still yeah. waiting for the next coming. That's where my hope is with a guy like Jordan Walker, a guy like like Nolan Gorman. Hopefully right. these guys can step up. And I mean, like Mark Saxon told us, like Gorman looks to be the real deal. Katie, um, Katie Wu told us, yeah, his he, bat, is his bat is playing. Like let him be great. And I want to see that transition. But yeah. Jordan Walker, he's I'm hearing that even more with him, man. The right. exit velocity with him is insane, and he actually got. Higher, he got to single A at Palm Beach, and his numbers went even higher up. But he, he hit three seventy four, four seventy five OBP, OBP. His slugging was six eighty seven in twenty seven games. So the power, I mean, was by far still there. So I mean, they're they're just gushing about this kid. I mean, as you would imagine, as a nineteen year old already making the jump to single A, it's exciting. And you know, I, again. It, it's a good problem to have. We don't know where he's going to play right now because it's not going to be third base well, anytime DH soon. DH now, if that comes as well. But yeah. Randy Flores is the you know former pitcher for the Cardinals, and he was uh, is now the what is his title? Player development draft stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, he's director he do... of scouting for That's the right. St. Louis Cardinals. Is what he is now. He says that Jordan Walker has better velocity um, off the bat, exit velocity, exit yeah. velocity than major leaguers right now. Well, you right know, now, I forgot to tell you, you know who's who he has been being compared to most in terms of minor leagues and what they're seeing so far with his bat is Chris Bryant. How and would you, how would you feel if he was a Chris Bryant? Do you think that would be successful? Can he not strike out 200 times yeah. his rookie year? I mean, that's if, what I if think we're about. we're talking 2016, Chris Bryant, then hell yeah, that'd well, be right. great. In 2016, I think about Chris Bryant coming in and striking out over 200 times, setting the rookie record for right. the most strikeouts in the history of baseball for a rookie. And I hope, and I say that, I would assume the cardinal way in the minors is not no. that way. And they would be taught a little bit differently. So, yes, give me that. I mean, because talking about someone that had a lot of um, lot of expectations behind him was Chris Bryant. Oh, yeah. The, and, and met them, in my mind, he met them the first couple of years. Well, I mean, your first full season, you know, MVP World Series, but it kind of fell off after that injuries and other stuff. But you know, they they did the clock manipulation for him oh, yeah. and messing all that up, and, and he, now he's still he's waiting. Still for won a World Series for the terrible Cubs, yeah. right? Like you know, one hundred eight years, and the guy that was your your heir to the throne for the Chicago Cubs, Just let him go. You let him walk away, and he should have been. Most of those guys should have been had statues. Maybe they will at some point, but you let them walk out, and they are the reason. That you got to where you yeah. are and that you made it back. So I hope Chris Bryant does well. Hope he goes somewhere, not the Cubs, and and continues yeah. winning because, you know, he's a likable guy. I mean, it, it, that's what's tough with these this Cubs team the last few years. I mean, yeah, I know he had the comment about St. Louis is boring and all that. That didn't drive me nuts that much because it's a fan fest. Like you should be saying stuff like that. That's not a big deal. But I mean, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. Javier Baez, not so much. No. But them two in Rizzo, particular. I, I like Rizzo. Yeah, very likable. His story, cancer yes. survivor, all those yeah. things, you know. Yeah, yeah, likable dudes. I mean, I wish Chris Bryant would have thrown that last uh, ground ball over the first base, <laughs> over Rizzo's head into the seats yeah. in, uh, in how Cleveland. Many, how many of those Cubs players, you know, those big three that left, Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, how, how many of them do you, do you think wish that they had taken? Because a lot, because Bryant in particular, I think got offered well over two hundred million. 
for an extension, and then you know, none of them are going to get close to what the Cubs offer them now. That's Not a good question. Over, you know, the ownership seems to be right for the Cubs at that point, but yeah. I don't think any of them liked how they were treated. So yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it as well. Like they wanted more money um, from them, and they wanted to get more out of it. But I also don't think they liked what the ownership was, how they were treating them in, in general. That's so, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I think it goes both ways. When we talk about, you know, Seager and, and Javi Baez getting those big contracts and going to terrible teams, so that is money related. But I think when you're already in something, inside of a uh, a team, and you know the ins and outs of it, and you're like, yeah, I don't really want to play for this guy again unless the money is where I want it to be. Right. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, it seemed like it, especially for them. And at this point now... You know, it didn't surprise me that Baez signed that contract. It's like, oh, you're going to pay me $23 million a year? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Right. And, you, <laughs> you know, he'll probably hit a lot of bombs in Detroit. Yeah. And he'll be— It's a big park, It though, is. Too. It is, but, you know, um, he can just free swing and, and try and get them back, you know, get them into a competitive area again. I mean, which they haven't been for a few years. But, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about is let him just do him. And that's a big part of what the Cardinals—one reason— I'll, we'll, I'll, I think we're about done, but one reason I think the Cardinals weren't really serious on Stroman is because of the person he is. Now, wrong or right, I don't know. Very uh, very outspoken. Right, and the Cardinals don't like that. They like uh, no, they trade company. That, they trade that away. You're right. Tommy Pham can attest to that. Right. They want the company man. Yeah. They want the guy. They don't want the guy that tweets a lot. They don't want the guy that's outspoken. They want the guy that falls in line. Their biggest superstars aren't even on Twitter. <laughs> right, right. I mean, <laughs> Which they probably love. Right. And I think that's a big part of the Stroman part of it too. Yeah, he fit everything for the Cardinals. Um, but Harrison an, Bader's analytically. got some, Harrison Bader's got some swagger, but he he's not he's not Tommy Pham. He's not calling out. You don't ever see Harrison Bader call out the front front office on anything. Right. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. He has flair of his own in his yeah. own way. Flair is a good word. That's you know, it's not uh, demonstrative towards the organization at all. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. And I think. That's why the Cardinals were like, yeah, we'll get it on Sh- on Stroman, but for the right price. And I don't think that that he was really a Cardinal guy that they really, really wanted based on that. Analytically, it made all the sense. But I think that's a big reason why they didn't even sign him. Well, you know who else isn't on Twitter and is a company man and puts his head down and plays is Trevor Story. So. Is he? Is oh, he not yeah. on Twitter? Actually, he might be on Twitter. <laughs> but I don't think he hardly does anything on it. I can, I can tell you just from what I read on him, it, he seems like a – even more like a Goldschmidt type than, than Arenado. All right. I said we're almost done, but let me ask you this. So Trevor Story, if he would come. Anyways, did the Cardinals have enough Harrison Bader types to boost the energy of the team to to lift them up? Like you need, like uh, you think of the 2011 uh, Nick uh, uh, Punto. Nick Punto, Um yeah. You think of, I'm trying to think of guys that like were just... Excitable. Yeah, and, like, yeah. like the... The rah rah guys, the Gerald Laird, and some of those backup. Weird, you know, um, I think a Spezio back in the day. Yep. Um, you know, like all these types of dudes that were like the glue to push you over the edge. That you know they liked in the clubhouse. You don't hear all those stories, obviously, but like it sounded like um, T.J. McFarlane and like Lars had a fun relationship. Yeah. Like there was different things like that. No one talked a lot about Lars kind of getting him excited again because they're both right. California guys. And Lars is a young dude and yeah. no one's getting, you know, the veteran. Like do the Cardinals have enough impact guys? I think it's important that the guy that is that guy is important in starting, if that makes sense. Like yeah. like you have to – it's one thing if I'm telling you as a leader, yeah, let's do this, and I'm sitting on the bench and I don't play. Like do the Cardinals have that guy – 
I feel better about them in that area today than I did two or three years ago. Yeah. Because Bader's that guy. I think Arnado's that guy. He's not he's not the flair, but he is the you can tell every hit, every big hit, every big home run, he's like pumped up, you know, he's getting the crowd pumped up. Is like, he is he leading the guys or is he just internally? Like I I feel like Arnado like has the weight of the world on him. And oh, like yeah. that's what he's worried about is him doing well. Like I feel like he's like Hopefully presses. That falls off a little bit more the second season. It seemed yeah. to be what happened for, for Goldschmidt coming yeah. into his own the second year. But but I think Tyler O'Neill in a smaller way, oh, is a little he bit could. Of that guy. I think he can be. I mean, he, he's he he gets pretty amped up. You know, he dives and makes a play. He's not quite like Bader. You know, raising yeah. his hands and flipping his hair. But but if he is the player that we think he is, man, he's going to be really exciting to watch. I mean, he, he we, we've talked about it. If he had played a full season this year, forty home runs, easy. Yeah, easy. And maybe MVP, maybe twenty stolen bases and MVP possibilities. Oh yeah, like uh, so. Go back on that a little bit. Like you talk about the like the flair and the fun. Like the Braves were fun. Oh this oh yeah the Braves were fun. Jock Peterson with his pearl necklace, right. you know, hitting the bombs. Uh, and, like yeah, e- even back to the like we talked about the Cubs of those years. Like those guys were like a fun. They had fun playing. Yeah, they had a lot of flair. Yeah, like so, the Cardinals are business oriented. Yep. Blue collar. Yeah. And I think but it's, we saw, I feel like during the 17, 17 game winning streak specifically out of everyone collectively, it seemed like we saw a lot more excitement and flair and swagger. Like even at, oh, like we swagger. About, they even, thought they, they expected to win. Yeah, even out game. of, even out of Goldschmidt. Smirks. I mean, he's like, yeah, like smiling, <laughs> like, you know, when Bader hit that home run out of Wrigley and the kids behind the dugout, we were there banging. He's yeah. like, Goldschmidt's laughing, you know, like they were all, I mean, how could you not be into off, it? Yeah. You know, like I mean, they're. You know, yes, you're right. There was a lot more of that in that in that stretch. You have to be during a 17 game win like, streak. Everything's going your way. Like, yeah, why, how can you be unhappy? Yeah, you know that's a that's a big part of it. But you got anything else? I don't think so. I mean, we hit about all we can hit right now. Probably all we can hit until what they're thinking. Maybe hopefully February first is like yeah. probably going to be the hard de- deadline they're shooting for because that leaves about two weeks before pitchers and catchers report for the fourteenth or whatever it is. So. Yeah, I want to get some guests on uh, and have yeah. more in depth. But one thing I really want to get into um, is going to be like um, like stadiums and talk because we're not going to have any movement. Right. going on. So I think I want to get into stadiums and maybe do a, a multi-part series on ranking the stadiums. Yeah, that'd be fun. And You've been to a lot more than me. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to go to even <laughs> more next year as long as there's baseball. Um, so I really want to break that down and it gives us something to talk about during January and February and then... Uh, it's going to be cold and miserable and yeah, slow. And nothing happening in the baseball world. So No hot stove. Right. We need that stove to keep us warm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, because there'll be We'll have those conversations, but we're going to look for other um, guests to jump on as well. Oh, yeah. We've had conversations with other people to join us, but um, that's where I really want to go with it. But um, anything else? I mean, shout yeah, out yeah. your your Twitter handle again. Yeah. Or, I mean, me how, many, to- how many followers do you have? 200-ish? I'm up to 500. Oh, oh okay. You have more than I'm, me. I'm in that weird, like, funny stage with Twitter where I'm, like, matching my who I'm following count with my – I'm, like, 512 and 512. I need to un- something random like that. I need that. to unfollow people. <laughs> like, I'm trying to keep the number the same. Every time I get a new follower, I'm like, all right, I'll follow somebody else. <laughs> keep <laughs> well, it even. Speaking of follow, follow us on That's yes. uh, at That's a Winner Pod on Twitter. Uh, I'll be looking at, I was going to say on Twitter too, we'll probably in the future uh, pretty soon because it's been kind of taking off the spaces, maybe holding a couple of spaces yeah. and, and having some talks about some things. And, um, you know, you talked about the stadiums. I know we're going to be looking forward 
probably pretty soon to talking with Kyle Reese with Birds on the Black, yes, who yeah. everyone knows Kyle on Twitter, uh, knows everything there is to know about every Cardinals prospect. Which, <laughs> so we could have a lot of fun talking about that. And there's allowed to be movement in that category, yep, anything yep. on the minors. So that's a, a good uh, option to get to, um, definitely would have Kyle on. Well, that's it for That's a Winter Podcast. I'm Ryan Jenkins with Josh Brown. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's the winner. That's the winner. A World Series.